is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 444, recorded on Thursday, August the 15th, 2019. All right. 444, my friend. Yeah, 444. Welcome to the program, everyone. Um, We are here, of course, to talk about the latest episode of Fear the Walking Dead right now. Uh, But I just wanted to say I hope everyone enjoyed our last podcast from last week where we talked about Dead Set. And I I have a feeling people did because I received numerous emails from people saying, guys, thanks for talking about Dead Set. I'd never heard Hmm. of it. I checked it out. I watched it and I really liked it. Me too. I know. (laughs) I think I was in the same boat as uh, as those listeners because I had never heard of it until you told me to watch it. Which happened some time ago, but we finally got around to it, right? That's right, yeah. And and I kind of knew I liked it already, but I watched it 10 friggin' years ago, so I didn't remember too much about it. And you liked it. And now, you know, I think we've made a successful recommendation to a lot of people because I heard from them and they enjoyed it. Awesome. So that's great. Uh, If you happen to miss that, go grab episode 443 of this podcast. We talk about Dead Set. You can find it on Netflix. And we do have confirmation, too, that it is available on Netflix, United States, not just Canada. We weren't sure about that. Oh, good. Yeah, because it's British, right? And, it is. Uh, yeah, the U.S. doesn't get as much British content as we do. That's correct. Uh, we also had a listener write in and suggest another British zombie show called mm. In the Flesh. So I have promised <laughs> to that listener that we would at some point watch In the Flesh and talk about that here as well. So I'm going to say that will likely happen during the Christmas holiday season hiatus for The Walking Dead. So a little bit of Anytime time in January. You're not talking about Christmas, Christmas. You're talking about between November and February. Well, yeah, they, they stop, you know, they end that show late November, early December and don't come back until February, March sometimes. Yeah. So we will have some time in there for sure, but that'll be coming up in that time frame. That's right. Right. Okay. So as long as it doesn't happen right over Christmas, because, you know, Christmas day, if at uh, 11 a.m. on Christmas morning, I have to excuse myself from the family festivities to go watch a zombie television show for uh, for the podcast, uh, I'm going to be in trouble. Might not go over so well. No, yeah, I'll, I will definitely be uh, sleeping in the doghouse. We don't have a dog, so it's going to get quite cold. <laughs> All right. Well, you're right. It's not going to be over Christmas. I will be away then anyways, but it'll be sometime in the new year, which I know seems like a long time from now. But you know what? Time flies. And we'll get there before you know it. That's right. Uh, So that's going to happen. Um, And then I just have one other quick sort of news item here, I guess, that I forgot to include on our podcast last week, uh, just because I'm an idiot. But this comes in from Mike in Albuquerque. And he let us know that it was reported that Zack Snyder has started filming a new movie in Albuquerque called Army of the Dead. It stars Dave Bautista, Ella Purnell, and Garrett Dillahunt. Really? So good old John Dory is going to be in Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead 
uh, currently filming, set for release sometime in 2020, and produced by Netflix. So it'll be on Netflix as well. Oh, cool. And, uh, you know, I've enjoyed some of the work Zack Snyder has done over the years. Mm-hmm. Not Not all of it, but I am looking forward to this Army of the Dead movie, partly because of Zack Snyder, but also because of Garrett Dillahunt. So Cool. I'm looking forward to it now, too. There you go. So again, something else that we just may talk about here on the podcast at some point, uh, way in the future, because who knows when that's going to come out. Mm -hmm. All right. That is everything we have before, you know, the main event here. And that is to talk about season five, episode eight of Fear the Walking Dead. Channel four for episode four, four, four. They're definitely listening to you guys. They're fucking with you. I mean, it's possible, but unlikely. Coincidence? Coincidence? I don't know. (laughs) I think not. (laughs) Who knows? Um, But yeah, this episode's called Channel 4. It is the mid-season premiere of Fear the Walking Dead. And I'm going to start our discussion here with a, a bunch of listener feedback, actually, just to get into things here. The first one comes from Pedro on the internet, and this is an email, and Pedro writes, I was wondering if you guys have seen any of the Althea tapes on The Walking Dead's YouTube page. There are three tapes of Al interviewing people and a fourth tape of Al. The videos seem pretty cool, and the acting is not too bad. So what Pedro is referring to here is, like he says, a a series of videos that were released uh, online on YouTube by AMC, basically of Al's recordings, some of the tapes we haven't seen on the show, um, just as promotional bits or kind of expanded universe type things. Mm-hmm. And I've heard they are pretty good, but I must admit I haven't watched any of them yet, so I can't really comment too much. But I wanted to bring it up because they relate to this episode in a very direct way so i am going to go back and check them out at some point um and if there's anyone out there that hasn't heard of them then yeah go to the walking dead's youtube page and and check those out if you want to that's uh i i really do want to check those out i hadn't even really i haven't heard of them like i never heard of these althea tapes right well you don't really use the internet so i'm not surprised you know, I, you know, I was also going to say that uh, I'm surprised I haven't run across them because I was pretty sure, like later earlier this afternoon, I thought I had seen all of YouTube because uh, I've been I do watch quite a bit of YouTube and uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've seen all the content uh, available on YouTube uh, and I've not run across these. Well, that's uh, that's amazing considering there's eight billion <laughs> videos uploaded a day. Uh, but if you haven't run across these, that's that is rather incredible. Uh, but they're out there. So Jason, take a look next time you're watching, you're getting caught up on your YouTube content. Yeah. I, you know, maybe I'm a little bit behind, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I try and keep up. Yeah. It's not going so well. You're a busy guy. <laughs> I'm a busy guy. There you go. Uh, well, I'm going to check those out. And of course this episode of fear was all about the tapes or the, at least the recordings that Althea and now others are making. Uh, but we'll get into that in a minute. I've got another call here and a couple of more emails before we really dig in. So this one comes from Chris in Syracuse and all of these are just kind of general feelings about the episode, which I figured would be good to include off the top. So here's Chris in Syracuse. Hey, Jason and Chris, uh, this is Chris from Syracuse. Uh, I was just calling for feedback on the uh, latest episode of Fear the Walking Dead. 
um, all the hopes were dashed that this was going to be something a little bit different from the first half of the season, but unfortunately it wasn't. Um, kind of felt like this was a telethon that they were doing to raise money to get new writers. Um, I was waiting for the uh, website and the phone number to pop up on the bottom of the screen saying to donate to, to the new writer fund. Um, waiting for Skidmark to uh, go and save a, a family of kittens from a river and uh, get some of the tears going on it. But um, very disappointed, uh, boring, same old things, rehashed, rehashed, rehashed. So it's the same, same thing. Um, they've got to do a dramatic change on what the uh, feel of the show is. It's just a um, very predictable, boring, poorly, poorly written uh, show at this point. Um, sticking, sticking with it just because there's you know, an interest in to see if there's a turnaround, but not too hopeful. Uh, take care. Thanks. Thank you, Chris. This next one here is Happy Jack and Victoria. And Happy Jack writes, have you ever had the experience of going to a friend or family member's home to have a good fun visit only to then have them trot out their crappy home movies to have you sit and suffer through? You're praying on the inside for it to end, knowing that they think this stuff is super awesome. Ooh, another tape. At some point, did you want to whack yourself upside the head with a 2x4 to take the pain away? Smash the TV, perhaps? Well, this episode nails that experience for me. Except for Skidmark. <laughs> well, he had a small part. He, he did, but, you know, Skidmark currently mentioned in both of those uh, listener communications and Chris's call on Happy Jack's email. Uh, continuing on, Laura in Charlotte, North, Car North Carolina writes... I can't wait to hear how much you hated this episode, because I did too. I said, this is dumb, no more than ten times. I wish I could quit you, Fear the Walking Dead. So, we're not off to a very good start here, Jason. No. And I'm, I'm going to play one more. This is a call from designer Will, and then I'll tell you what I thought of the episode. Here we go. Hey, Chris and Jason, designer Will, with some feedback for our latest episode of Fear, Channel 4. Uh, it sure seems like AMC hired the production crew behind The Office to produce this episode. Uh, I just, I mean, I love that show. I'm a big fan of it. Uh, I've seen it so much that all the various interview style takes and all the cuts and the shaky cam and all that stuff, it was really, really hard to kind of separate that distinctive style from this show um, and honestly, it brought a level of comedy to it. Um, I, I do think this episode, I think they were going for levity. I think that they wanted to kind of portray a picture of, hey, this group is kind of settled in and there's no big threats right now, um, which is good. But it did feel a little bit jarring coming from kind of what the last couple seasons of Fear has done. Um, so I can't say I'm like super upset about it, but it was just... I think jarring is the best word. It just, it seems so different. Um, even kind of the different color grading was more vibrant and stuff. I think they went for this kind of um, home video recorder style look. Um, but uh, I don't know. I think I didn't love it. I also didn't hate it. Uh, but I am interested to find out what this new character who we saw at the end brings to the whole group dynamic. He seems cool. Um, Alicia seems super like bored. <laughs> so I imagine he and she, maybe, maybe he'll re invigorate her storyline or something. I don't know. I'm curious to see where this goes. Um, all right. That's what I thought. Take it easy guys. 
All right, thanks very much, Designer Will. So, Jason, we start here with three pretty negative takes on this episode, and then Will's, which is, um, I don't know, sort of mediocre at best, I think he's saying. Didn't, didn't love it, didn't hate it. What are your thoughts on this episode before I tell you what my general feelings are? Uh, the the real thought I had when I finished wa- watching this episode was, God help me, I didn't mind it. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's got problems, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the points that uh, that the listeners are making, uh, designer Will saying that uh, they took uh, a lot of cues from the office, he's absolutely right. That the, um, uh, you know, the, the, the confessional... Where the, you know, you face the camera and you tell your story, they ask questions, you get them to, you get the people to tell the story in the present tense. Mm-hmm. So you can put those confession, confessional recordings in with the actual footage so that it, uh, it makes sense as if everything's being spoke of in the present tense. When in fact, you know that all of these, uh, these conversations that you're ha- having with the different characters happened well after the ev- actual events of the episode and the recapping it, right? Yeah. talking about their perspective of what the footage actually shows, but you get them to speak in the present tense so that you can edit that stuff in to make it more interesting. And that's exactly the style that they took. And that was bothersome to me. Okay. Uh, right. Uh, so it kind of annoyed me because it, it reminded me of a reality television. And, you know, as designer Will said, it does also remind me of um, The Office. But it had some good points, too. I like the fact that the two different cameras that they were using had different white balances. Mm-hmm. So you they were the different hues that they were using. So you could tell which camera was which. Um, and I didn't mind the overall story. Uh, you know, you come across a house, we haven't really encountered landmines before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I guess, uh, so, but overall, I don't think I minded this episode. Well. I thought it was kind of well done for a found footage kind of, uh, you know, putting together a videotape for people, uh, to watch. Yeah. Well, you know what? I mean, Laura in Charlotte, North Carolina, who can't wait to hear how much we hated this episode, I'm afraid is going to be disappointed because, I'm right there with you. I actually didn't mind it. I think it was not perfect. I think it had some problems, but there were things about it that I do think worked pretty well. And as designer Will said, maybe, you know, he said it had a very different feel than any other episode on this show, especially from the last couple of years. And I, and I'm thinking that maybe that is part of what, made it okay for me that it was a little bit different that at least we're trying something a bit new here um yeah and i i don't really think they were going for comedy to be honest although there were a couple of funnier scenes most notably the one for me anyways where um daniel was trying to offer dwight a haircut and hair he didn't want the haircut there was something sort of comedic about that right yeah with a little bit of work i could make you mildly presentable yeah exactly i mean that's funny right but Dwight there was some other there was some other comedy in there too both from my examples are john dory john dory saying i tried caviar once it tasted like bait tasted like bait yeah and the way he says something about you know rich people eating caviar like with a ladle i'm like (laughs) (laughs) yeah doesn't make any sense at all but it's funny so and then when he said landmines there were landmines. 
Oh, that's right. That's right. It was kind of, it was kind of, and that was the kind of thing where it, it's the present tense yeah. intermixed and it was obviously an interview from afterwards. Right. But it was kind of a you know comedy moment. Of course. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, make no bones about it. They were landmines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so th- there were a couple of funny bits, but I, I, I honestly don't really think they were going for comedy, but overall it did have a very different feel, mostly because of the format they chose to you know tell this story in but i also really really appreciated the new color palette and as you said it was different cameras but it was just nice to see some color on this show for the first time in a long time that wasn't kind of sepia or brown yep you know so i i did like that i didn't mind the whole storyline with tess and the landmines and we'll talk about that but i also didn't really hate the interview style format that they used. And I'll be honest with you going, knowing that we were getting that this episode, I was kind of going in thinking I'm really going to dislike this. I, I don't think this is going to work for this show, but after seeing it in a way, it kind of does. Yeah. And I think we've had this conversation before. It, it really depends on your expectations going in. Mm -hmm. If you have, you know, rock bottom, bottom of the bottom of your shoe expectations going into something and it's better than you expect. You're like, whoa, that's better than I expected. <laughs> right. I like this a little bit, but if you're going in going, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to love this. And you go in and, and you watch it, it you know, and it's a li- not as good as you think. You're like, man, what a crappy piece of shit TV show that I just watched. So I think you and I both had low expectations of this episode. I, I think maybe we did, but. You know, the the style they used with these interviews, I just didn't think would work very well. And in my opinion, it turns out that it, it kind of did. Um, and the other thing I liked, and this is just a plot thing, that um, they, they, they haven't settled into a location that they call home, right? Like, they didn't move back into that denim factory. What no. they've done is they're now a mobile caravan of vehicles and people. And they're moving around. And we found out that June and Grace are basically in charge of wherever they're staying that night, right? And I kind of like that idea. We don't see that very much on The Walking Dead. We're always, you know, we, we always have characters on the road for a while, but it's always with the goal of finding somewhere to stay and somewhere to call home. And I guess in the long run, they're sort of doing that on this show. But right now they're like, you know what? We're a caravan. We're going to set up cars and a fence and a circle. We're going to live in the middle of it and we're going to move on the next day. And that is the best approach to finding people to help and just continuing to move around the land. So I kind of like that as an idea, which helped me enjoy this episode a lot more too. Yeah. I I agree. Like that, uh, the fact that they're on the road all the time. And as soon as I saw the opening credits, I'm like, oh, look, a convoy. And then later they had the music convoy, which I thought was a little too on the nose, uh, you know, having that song in there, but I'm glad that they paid for it. And and to be fair, they made fun of it too. You know, like Daniel said, that is not music. (laughs) Well, it's not, it's comedy. It's right. (laughs) It's, it's a comedy. Well, it is a song really, but it's more of a comedy song you know and i i like watching my uh smoking the bandit i've i've enjoyed smoking the bandit one and two and i think there might even be a third that i haven't seen okay uh where they have you know convoys and uh, stuff and there's all there's a convoy movie is there not 
Oh, probably. Yeah. There's a movie of everything. I don't know. All right. I'm going to have to go back and watch Convoy. Well, it it sort of worked for me, that whole concept, and it, it added to my enjoyment of this one. But let's talk a little bit more about the, the format that they used for this episode, if we can. And as I said, it's like an interview style. The We see these first-person interviews with the people, with the characters, and then the story is kind of told, intercut between that, and it's footage all shot by the characters. And I'll start here with a call from our friend Gemma. Um, hi, Chris and Jason. This is Gemma calling from South Wales with feedback from this week's fear episode. I'm not really a fan of handheld camera kind of stuff. You know, the Blair Witch stuff, it makes me uncomfortable. Where they find in video editing equipment from to make this infomercial... And it, I just didn't, I don't know, it just didn't seem very realistic to me that outposts would still have electricity and a working VCR. And uh, I know they said they raided a big stop, a big spot, which is a callback to um, The Walking Dead um, season four episode one when they visit the big spot and the helicopter falls through the ceiling. So but I know that they cleared out their video equipment from there, but still, like, how do you find electricity to get this stuff working? And I think I just would lose my temper with Al if, you know, I was around landmines and my I was about to be blown up and she still had the camera in my face. I'd be like, get the camera out of my face. But anyway, that's my feedback, guys. I look forward to the podcast and I'll see you soon. Bye. Fantastic. Thanks, Gemma. So I will admit that the first watch through of this episode, it really bothered me that they were filming so much. And I wasn't really on board with on board with the whole idea that all of our characters were now suddenly using cameras and shooting each other. And um, even in times of extreme distress, when there's landmines around and there's zombies around and we have Al say, like, you know, I've shot through worse no, you haven't. I mean, come on. This is life and death situation here. Put the camera down and, and save yourself and save your friends. That really bothered me the first time. But I have to admit that when it was revealed kind of what they were doing, they were making this video to leave for people to see, to convince them that we're friendly, we're helpful. And the whole point was to make this video. I kind of was on board with it. Yeah, it wasn't just them randomly shooting stuff because uh, they, you know, Althea likes to shoot video. It's them consciously wanting to make a specific style of documentary mm-hmm. in order to leave for people. So they said, okay, we're going to take these next couple of days and we're going to film a bunch of footage of everything we do along with specific interviews yep. talking about what we did in order to make these videos to leave for people. So, uh, Jim had also brought up the idea of, uh, video editing equipment. Yes. You know, you know, uh, it probably would be difficult to do, but you could probably edit a video using a couple of cameras, I would think. Sort of uh, record sort back of. and forth kind of. Yeah. Record, you know, bounce things down, record back and forth. It might be a bit of a pain in the ass. You wouldn't get anything nearly as clean as what we just saw. Right. But, uh, it is possible if they had two video cameras uh a tv with a vcr built in they could probably do something 
very low key or low uh, low tech, mm-hmm. uh, you know, bouncing stuff around and making a videotape and then somehow copying that. I'm not really sure how they would do that, <laughs> but it might explain the, uh, you know, the um, during the opening uh, credits, uh, the opening song, it was all kind of wonky, like yep. it was being recorded over 70, 70, 80 times on a VHS. Uh, but as far as power goes, that's not a problem. They're driving around with a tanker full of gasoline and they're filling up uh, generators. That's mm. where the character at the end got his gasoline. He broke into a room that had a generator that was running. Yeah. So that's what they're doing is they're driving around. They're setting up a TV with a VCR saying, play me in a, a walkie talkie that says, you know, reach us on channel four. And then they uh, run a power line to a generator that has a full tank of gas. Yeah. Uh, you know, they got more gas than they know what to do with at this time, at this point. The other people have more bullets than they know what to do with. But they got gas. Isn't this, didn't Mad Max work just like this? You know, commodities, bullets and gas and things like that. Yeah, they were going to Gas Town and then there was another group from Bullet Town. And uh, (laughs) yeah, this is exactly what Mad Max is all about. Hey, and a tanker full of gas. Shit, this is is Mad Max in the making right here. God, how many times is Mad Max going to be referenced on, you know, all the Walking Dead shows? Oh, it's built into the zeitgeist by now. We're uh, we're done. Everything everything is Mad Max. Pretty much, yeah. Well, I I do kind of agree with Gemma to a, an extent, though. Like with the video editing equipment and the electricity, and I know they have generators and lots of gas and so on. Um, but it, it it does feel like it's a little too easy for them to create this kind of thing. Maybe they should have made the video a bit rougher, as you said. To kind of just drive home the point that you know this wouldn't be an easy thing to do but but at the same time this is for some reason the kind of thing i can suspend my disbelief on a little bit knowing that at least they explained it away by raiding the store finding the batteries the cameras and like just handing them out to everyone i think luciana was filming and alicia was filming for a good portion of the episode in addition yep. to al right um and and after i after that was revealed at the end, I, I just, it didn't seem to bother me so much. And, uh, it was a very, very deliberate attempt by them, as you said, to, to make this video to, to leave for people. So yeah, it, it, it kind of worked. Um, I, I could have used a little bit less of them talking about putting the camera down because it came up a few times in the episode, you know, maybe we should stop filming. Maybe we should, uh, put the camera down. And like I mentioned, Al says I've shot through worse. If, if they're just going to buy into this or if they're just going to do this, commit to it. Don't worry about the characters kind of complaining about putting the cameras down. I, I don't think they really needed to do that, but you know, well, you know, to be fair, if somebody around me was filming 24 hours a day for a few days, I think I would probably say, put that fucking camera away a number of times. I guess so. Yeah. Some of them probably would make it into the edit. Probably, if you're complaining that much about it. So yeah, maybe and I you're... would, because I don't like being on camera. Maybe you're right. I mean, you're on camera right now. I can see you. I know, but you're not recording it. Am I not? Well, whatever. <laughs> if you want to record it for your own purposes, I don't have to look at it. I don't like seeing myself on camera. <laughs> I am I guess I'm okay with cameras pointed at me. I just don't want to see it. Well, walking around anywhere, there's cameras pointed at you almost 24 hours a day. So Yeah, I try not to think about that. I have 444 episodes of camera recordings pointed right at you, my man. No, you don't. No, that's true. You have 444 episodes of audio recordings. Audio is fine. Yeah. Mostly. 
mostly. Because okay. it does record some of the stupid shit that I say, but that's okay. <laughs> that's all right. So let me ask you, what do you think about this format in general, though? It occurred to me that this actually might not be a terrible format to adopt on a show permanently. Like, not this show. Not this show. But a show. You know, have the characters relate stories via interview, but cut back to show us the details. Now, if I were going to create a show like that, I would abandon the idea that the characters are filming themselves. Just have them like interview talking and explaining it and then cut back to sort of like normal TV show depicting those details. But I think that might be a cool uh, format for some other Walking Dead universe show like interview style with a story of the week they don't even have to be all related to each other so much make it an anthology of interviews relating about a specific hardship within the walking dead universe that could be a cool show it could be i don't think i like the idea of the um the cameraman or the camera people not being part of the show. Part of the genius of The Office is that the camera crew takes up space, right? And they're present and they are acknowledged every now and again. But wasn't that mostly later on in The Office? Like for the first number of seasons, not really. Even part of the British office was, Mm. uh, you know, that was part of the plan was to have, you know, and even the documentary style itself, uh, the show doesn't make any sense without it. Because it's just a bunch of assholes being a bunch of assholes. But you put a camera crew there and you have uh, people hamming it up for the cameras, mm-hmm. uh, then that makes makes it a thing, right? Yeah. So uh, that's why, and that might only work for comedy. I mean, it definitely works for comedy because we've had mockumentaries, uh, a lot of them over the years. But uh, And it works for horror, uh, you know, Blair Witch Project, uh, yeah. you know, whether you liked it or you didn't like it, it's a thing. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows what it is. A lot of people have seen it. It didn't cost a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, whether you have the camera people taking up space or you don't have them taking up space, if you don't have them taking up space, it kind of falls more in line with uh, reality t- television. Survivor, The Bachelor, uh, The Bachelorette, Bachelor in Par- Paradise. God help me. My wife watches all of these shows. Uh, so the camera people in those shows don't take up space, right? They, right. they, they never get acknowledged. The uh, big brother, like obviously there's a camera crew there, but the, all the cameras are hidden behind walls, right? So that the, uh, the people that are in the house don't acknowledge the cameras. The people, the camera crew do not get acknowledged. They go into the confessional room and they talk to the camera so that they can have that footage to interlace with the actual story. story. Yeah, story, because producers actually produce stories in these things. But as far as a uh, an idea for a show, it could work. I think it's been done a lot over the last couple of decades. You're right. It probably has been done a lot, but it got me thinking just that you know, this new Walking Dead show that's coming along about teenagers in the early days of the apocalypse and coming of age in this apocalypse, it, it's probably not the right format for that. But if they're going to keep expanding the Walking Dead universe, which it sounds like they are, yeah. I think maybe this kind of thing could work. And I would be honestly a little bit more interested in that than probably what we're going to get with this third show that's coming. You know, if we do a show with consistent characters, but 
And, and, you know, over the course of a season, you could tell a complete story, but it might not feel like it from week to week if you're just having them relate. Well, there was this one time where, you know, we needed to get from point A to point B, but, you know, this happened in between kind of thing. And, and, um, and, and, and that's how they relate the story to you. I, I don't know. I feel like it could work a little bit because I was surprised at how well I thought it worked here. So. And one of the things I liked about, uh, about how it worked here is that they stuck to it, right? They, mm-hmm. they managed to maintain internal consistency right up to the point where that character was watching it on TV. Right. And then they moved away from it. But that was a very, uh, logical place to do that. They didn't jump back and forth between, uh, you know, found footage. And it's not even, not even found footage. Cause we have to distinguish between found footage videos, found footage movies and television and even mockumentary and fake documentary or reality television style. These are kind of three different things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but they stuck to it, right? It was, uh, they, the first you know, four fifths of the actual television show, it was all this and that's it. Yep. Until that new character was watching it on TV and then they stepped back from it. Right. And it wouldn't have made, it wouldn't have been nearly as good or made as much sense if we had gotten this, the, the scenes with, um, this new character whose name is Wes, by the way. Wes. Okay. Yeah. Like imagine if we'd gotten that early on in the episode and we kind of knew all along that he was watching them, on this tape, it wouldn't have been as effective. I don't think. No. So I'm glad they did it this way. You know, even though it annoyed me at first, once it was all revealed, it fell into place and I thought it worked pretty well. Yeah. And I agree with you. And I think that's probably part of the reason why I didn't mind this episode because it checked my box of maintaining consistency within the episode or within the, whatever I'm watching. Right. As long as it maintains consistency, it's already got a 70% rating in my mind. Sure. I know that's important to you, right? It really is. Abide by your own rules. (laughs) Yes. So it did and it checked that box. So I was fine with it. I was explaining that whole concept that you have with, or the problem you have with the Ant-Man movies to some of my coworkers and how those movies just don't maintain their own, they don't maintain the rules they set up for the, for, you know, within their, uh, within the film. Yeah. Um, I, I want to say within the universe, but God, the Marvel universe is so well, big at this point. You see, it, the fact that they explain pin particles at all is the problem. I mean, the Scarlet Witch, they don't explain her powers. She's just a super mega powerful person that does some weird magic shit. Yeah. And whatever they need her to do plot wise, she can do. Right. And no that's problem. Fine. I have no problem with that, but they explained PIM particles and how they worked. And then they forgot all about it 10 minutes later. Yeah, that's the thing. So, uh, well, anyways, um, the format is good. The other thing the format did for me here, and it's because the characters were talking right to the camera, is that right near the end, before we find out that Wes is watching this on a tape, um, we have pretty much every main character sit in front of the camera and and say right to it what their goal slash purpose on the show is yep and again i feel like this would is a little bit hokey but it actually kind of worked and i i didn't mind having all these characters say out loud kind of what they're doing almost like this is where we are 
in our character development right now. And this is where <laughs> we're going to go from here. And, and again, that sounds ridiculous to have your characters do, but because they're talking to the camera, because they're making a video to try to explain to somebody else why you should be our friend, it kind of worked for me. And then I also realized on the second watch through that near the beginning of the episode, Grace is sitting there talking to the camera and she says the line, what do you do with the time you have left? That's the question that cam that comes near the beginning of the episode. And then right at the end of the episode, every character answered that question. <laughs> and I wrote down a bunch of them here. Morgan says he has to say goodbye and move on talking about his family. He's never really done that. Alicia says she has to find her own way to make things better. Uh, John Dory wants to make this world more like the old one. June wants to find a place for everybody. She's the one in charge of the, you know, the uh, convoy. Place finding. Place yep. finding, yeah. Uh, Strand says he wants to make the most of his second chance. Daniel says he needs to live up to his daughter's expectations, basically, and be the man that she would want him to be. Right. And then Al uh, says, you know, making sure these stories are important. And we already knew that. And that one is the one that I find the most irritating. But uh, we also had a few other characters say what they're, they want to do as well. And, and again, I liked that, you know, question posed at the beginning by a new character, Grace, who says, what do you do with the time you have left? And then everybody kind of tells us. Yep. But really, they're telling Wes and they're telling all the other people that are out in this world that here's what we're all about. You know, if you can get in with us, you might have a chance at survival or being safe or whatever. Yeah, it's, it sounds like uh, it, I, I do like that. I didn't realize that uh, uh, that it was kind of framed that way. But I, I like the way that, you, you know, the fact that you noticed that and uh pointed that out because that uh, makes it even a little bit more meaningful. Right. And I think it could only be done with this kind of interview format, right? You can't have characters sit around and tell each other kind of what their, what their well, would, ultimate goals are as easily, I think. Yeah. Well, that's what I was thinking. Like you do job interviews, right? Every now and again? Every now and again. Yeah. Yeah. So you should ask that question in a job interview. Where are you in your character development and how do you foresee that character development moving forward? I'm going to do that next time. <laughs> it's like, what? That's what do a, you mean? It's a great question. It like, is. We're a, <laughs> so you've got a character. Your character has skills and attributes. Where are you, you know, uh, in your current character development? And where do you see your character going? That's so much better than asking them, like, how much would you charge to clean all the windows in Seattle? <laughs> is that an interview question? It is. Yeah. Yeah. There's some other good ones, too. That How the hell are you supposed to answer that? Well, I would charge, you know, four ninety nine a window. That's the answer. Multiplied by the by the number of windows. That's the answer. All I want to know is that you would have an answer. the The important part is like set a price per window. It doesn't matter how many windows there are. Set a price per window. There's some other good ones too, but you know they come from like Google interviews and things like that. So all right, so uh, I'd get the job, is what you're saying. I'd hire you in a second. <laughs> Because I would charge four ninety nine a window. It seems like a reasonable price, right? It doesn't, especially for the ones that are, you know, uh, it might be a little expensive for like washing the front windows of somebody's house. But if you're doing a an office tower and you're going up, you're thirty floors into the in the air, you know, it's probably pretty cheap. So you know, overall, probably four ninety nine. I'd say that. Yeah, hell of a deal. Uh, all I want to know is that you'd, you know, charge a price per window. Yeah. 
or, or 40 cents a square foot of window. I suppose you could look at it that way too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that is, that's amazing. Let's talk about Alicia for a minute here. Uh, we have this, to? yeah, we have to just, just briefly, um, you know, she's training with, uh, Morgan learning the Aikido. I didn't mind that training scene where the camera's kind of distant on her and she's swinging the thing around. And then, you know, she notices the camera and it's like she was caught dancing and storms yeah. off embarrassed. That That's fine. That feels kind of really realistic to me. You know, if you it don't absolutely know. absolutely is realistic because I did the exact same thing when I was learning how to juggle. Uh-huh. I didn't want anybody to watch me practice juggling. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I had to do it outside because I needed some height. So I do it in the backyard. I wouldn't go to a park or anything unless I wanted to actually, you know, show off what I had learned instead of uh, practicing new stuff. So absolutely, that made perfect sense to me. Turn that fucking camera off. I'm just practicing. Right. And that's fine. And and I enjoyed that. What I didn't really buy into so much here is that Alicia, she's being gimpled a little bit, I think. And by that, I mean, you know, last episode, she was a killing machine. She could take out zombies Endlessly almost. When the plane crashed, she was the one killing them all. When the kids were in their treehouse, she stood at that fence and just demolished them all. And now, you know, one episode later, I know there's a little bit of time has gone by, but one episode later, she is not killing at all. She says in this episode that she hasn't killed a zombie since the plane crashed. And this is a gimple thing for me. And it was a problem with Morgan for a long time, right? Either he's all in on the killing or he's all out on the killing. And that's where Alicia is now. So wait, there's a difference here. Is is Uh, there? Morgan, Morgan didn't mind killing zombies. You know, if you can call it killing or dispatching zombies, she hasn't killed a zombie. Oh yeah. That's a good point. That's a good distinction. So that's, uh, it, that's, that's, uh, very different. And, um, you know, she's met her cheesemaker, right? So she's learning her, uh, skills from Morgan, much like he did from the cheesemaker. And so you, you know, you learn to, you, just like the, they said on the Simpsons, Simpsons, you learn karate so that you may never use it. Right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, she hasn't, she's obviously got some kind of, uh, post-traumatic stress going on here, uh, where she's unable to dispatch zombies, which is very different than what Morgan went through. Okay, you're absolutely right. But I still feel like this is a bit of a gimple thing where character is, even if you just look at zombies alone, right? She's a zombie killing machine one day and then the next day totally against it. And I I appreciate them trying to expand her character, but there's I feel like they're just, gimple is not the master of the middle ground. He's, he's an extreme man, right? And so she's either one way or she's the other. There isn't anything in between. And I really felt that in this episode. I thought they right. could have maybe eased her into the, the non-zombie killing mode a little bit more. Yeah, they, they could have. I have no interest in Alicia's storyline at the moment. Okay, so that fly is at your house, right? It's, I've noticed it flying around. I'm like, how did they get flag it in here? <laughs> no, sorry, but there's... there's not, you got a really good camera. I can see the fruit fly. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to get it out of my face. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Um, so yeah, I, it's, it's like designer will that, uh, you know, maybe we can get somebody to kickstart Alicia's storyline. Cause I, I agree. I have no interest in her storyline. 
you know, her entire purpose of living right now is to not kill zombies and find out who the fuck's writing on trees. I don't care about any of that. Well, let me, let's talk about the trees for a second here because she's looking at that tree and the zombie comes up behind her and she implies in this episode that, you know, she would have let that walker eat her while she was looking at that painted tree because she is so against killing them right now or unable to kill them right now. I Maybe I should put it that way. That's fine. I guess so, but <laughs> I don't know. It, it just felt like the pendulum has swung too far the other way on her. And the show has used a little bit of a time jump to explain that away, right? It's like we cried or we landed this plane. I killed a lot of zombies over by that nuclear plant. And now I don't want to at all. It's, it just feels like it's swung too far, but you know, whatever, we'll see how that plays out. The painted trees, Jason, are interesting because there is a theory out there on the internet that a particular character is painting and leaving messages on these trees. From the comic books? No, from the previous seasons of this show. Oh. A lot of people think that Madison is alive and painting messages on trees. And then, Uh, and now Alicia is finding them and she has taken on this mission to find out who it is. I know it feels way too obvious to have Alicia, Madison's daughter, be the one this interested in the tree paintings and then find out that it's Madison who's still alive. And of course, a lot of Alicia's stress or post-traumatic stress is because her mother is no longer around, right? Is it within the realm of possibility, do, do, do you think, that this is actually Madison and we're going to have Alicia reconnect with her mother some way, sometime down the road? It is within, you know, if I drew a big Venn diagram uh, of what's possible and what's ridiculous, it would fall on in both. Uh, it Yes, it is possible, but haven't they traveled quite a bit from where Madison was apparently killed? Yeah, but travel distance doesn't mean anything on this show. Morgan traveled across the country. They've, they have trucks. They're in a convoy. They're traveling around on purpose. So they're moving around. But they're finding like everywhere they're going, they're finding these trees. So Madison, uh, it just, it's, it's strike. What's ridiculous is that if she is out there painting trees, what are the odds that she's painting trees in whatever area that, uh, that Alicia is in? Never so tell me the no- odds. Yeah, so <laughs> that's that's true. Uh, so yes, it's it 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 falls patently in the realm of the ridiculous because Madison. Uh, I don't disagree that she's alive. I think that that's entirely possible. Uh, but if she is painting trees, would she be painting them in this area? And if she is painting trees in this area, what are the odds that Alicia? is the one that's interested in these trees and wants to follow them. Well, but see, that's the whole point, really. It's like, because all these things seem so unlikely, it makes them more likely to be true. Didn't Madison turn on that hotel light uh, one time? uh, And that's how they found Alicia. Was it Alicia that was looking or was it? uh... Oh, Madison and Strand were stuck in the hotel getting drunk. I forget if that's exactly the timeline of things, but yeah, she turned on the light or was it Nick that she needed to get back, find again? Yeah, that's what I was wondering, if it was Alicia or Nick. Anyway, uh, so this is the kind of thing that Madison would do, uh-huh. let's say, but uh, we have to, in order to 
to have that be true, we have to A, believe Madison is alive, B, believe that she's painting these trees, C, believe that she's painting these trees in the area that these people are traveling around in, around in and D, believe that uh, Alicia happens to be the one that is interested in finding out that uh, who's painting these trees. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's, you know, that's four ridiculous steps. So we're <laughs> in, it is possible, but it's way in the improbable zone of that possibility. All right. Well, it's a theory out there and some people really think the show is trying to get us down that road towards this possibility. And I don't disagree. I think if Madison is alive, I think if if they need to find a way to bring her back into the show, this seems like it w- might be it. I don't know. All right. Well, if that ever happens, I surely hope that I am watching it on a device that I don't care about because I'm going to throw that device across the room. Except that you believe Madison's alive. So wouldn't you be happy to have that alive? belief? Fine. Uh-huh. You know, alive, fine, finder, fine. That's all good. You know, but it, that's the A part. It's the B, C, D part that's bothering. Sure. Fair enough. Okay. Well, that's the kind of thing we're just going to have to wait and find out, I think. But, uh, um, yeah, I, I, I guess I had some issues with the other Alicia stuff. Um, but I'm not I, totally I, disinterested in it like you are. She's not even using her own weapon anymore. I know. Strand was using it. That's kind of a bummer. I, I I don't like it when someone isn't using their signature weapon. Feels wrong. Yeah. It's it's like, what's his name? Taking uh, Daryl's crossbow and then shooting Dr. Denise in the eye by accident. Dwight. And he's Dwight. here. Here yeah, he is now. I know. It's just, it's, uh, it feels uncomfortable. Yeah, it you does. Know? And it's like, you got to get that weapon back. So maybe she has to come around to uh, wanting to kill zombies again instead of just, you know, swinging a stick around. What? Why is she swinging the stick around if she doesn't care about uh, attacking zombies. Well, you know, yeah. might as well learn how to juggle like I did. It's, <laughs> you know, it's just as good a skill to learn. It takes lots of practice and yeah. has no combat, you know, significance. At least she can entertain the kids. Yeah. See, there learn magic. <laughs> there's probably, there's rope kicking around. Do some rope tricks. That'd be fun. All right. Well, we'll see what happens with Alicia. Let's talk about the whole Tess storyline a little bit here and that whole set piece basically right. uh first off we got a house surrounded by landmines and okay, let me ask you a question about landmines i got seven questions about landmines okay i don't have okay, any so- answers i don't know much about landmines all right so let me ask you about zombies sure so if you chop a zombie's foot off do they die no no so if a zombie blows up from a landmine do they die well they do, don't they? I mean, it seemed to indicate that on this episode, but if, if the zombie blows up and their head just flies off in a direction and lands in a puddle somewhere, the head might still be alive and the, the teeth might still be chomping. Okay, so he didn't, uh, the guy that set these landmines didn't make them, I assume. No. He acquired them somewhere. Landmines are not meant to kill, necessarily. They're meant to blow people's legs off and to make it... Land, uh, landmines are a maiming weapon in order to commit resources to taking care of the people that stepped on landmines. It's kind of sad and horrible, but it's true. They're not necessarily meant to kill the soldiers. They're meant to wound them severely so that it takes more people to drag them out of there, take them back, get surgery, take care of them. 
that kind of stuff. Uh, so when landmines go off, they blow legs off, they blow arms off. Uh, they don't blow people into their constituent atoms. So are you saying that the whole point of landmines is to basically tax the resources of your enemies trying to care for the people that stepped on them? Yes. Jesus, and that's evil. Yes, they are evil. And they're, uh, and they're also meant as a deterrent. Right. Right. You don't just put landmines in a field necessarily. Uh, you put landmines in a field and you stick a post into the ground saying fucking landmines. So you go, holy shit, there's landmines there. I'm not going to go that way. That's and funny. You funnel people into a different way of going to their objective. That's funny you mentioned that because one of the notes I made here about landmines is that it, it, at first I've thought, oh my God, it's so unrealistic how many landmines there are in this front yard in front of this house. But then I started thinking about it. And the thing about mines is there doesn't have to be any. You just have to believe that there are some there. Yeah. And you won't walk anywhere near that area because there could be one or there could be none or there could be 50. It doesn't matter. You think they're there and that's scary enough. That's a deterrent enough. Yeah. That's why you buy uh, alarm company stickers and put them on your front door. Without having an alarm. You don't have to have an alarm. You just put the sticker there and you're like, shit, I got an alarm. I'm not going in there. Right. Right. So, yeah. And I guess the other problem I had was that if a zombie walks into this landmine area and blows up and they lose a leg or two legs or whatever, we've seen there's zombies in the show that are just lying on the ground dead because they stepped on a zombie and they look like complete, complete humans. They would lie down on the, on the fucking ground after they got their legs blown off. <laughs> and then they would kind of crawl over to another landmine and that would probably blow them up. Right. So you get like 20 zombies in there. You're going to be blowing up 40 to 60 landmines. Right. That's a lot of, it's, that's a lot of mines. <laughs> it's completely ineffective. It's a completely ineffective way of keeping zombies away from your house. You're better off surrounding your house with treadmills that are all, always running so that the zombies can't get it up to you because they just step oh. on the treadmill and they fall down and they fall back to the, where they were, you know, a couple of seconds ago. Right. The idea is that uh, landmines are no deterrent for zombies because they're not smart enough to know to not walk on there. It's only a deterrent for living people. Right. With reason. Yeah. Yeah. And if you blow a zombie's legs off, there's still a zombie that can crawl around. Right. So right. they're, you know, uh, the fence is a better effective way of keeping the zombies out than the landmines. Sure. Interesting. That all being said, though, this being the first time we've seen explosive devices used like this on the show, I did think it made for a fairly decent, if somewhat predictable set piece on the show, though. Um, I I was never, I, I never thought for a second that any of our characters were in serious danger of being blown up. Uh, and we've no. seen the whole like step on a mine and have to stand there until you can figure out what to do trope done millions of times before in movies and TV shows. I never thought Morgan was going to, you know, get his leg blown off or be exploded in any way. And then when he does get off of it and escape and get back to the fence and then the thing blows up a few minutes later, you could see that coming a mile away. Oh, that, yeah, that was telegraphed from. You know, way back when. Nobody, nobody, I'm sorry, was surprised when it exploded a bit late, right? I thought maybe the lady in the house was going to get uh, Dr. Arst's. Arst. 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 Yeah. Arst. That's a, that's a d- deep <laughs> reference there. Um, yeah. 
well, I thought maybe that she, you know, I guess if my house was surrounded by landmines, I'd be agoraphobic too. It's like, I'm not leaving the house. There's fucking landmines out there. Be, it's exactly. a deterrent because I'm a human. Because I have a brain still. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't, I didn't mind it as a set piece. It was kind of fun, but definitely super predictable. Um, but then, then again, and maybe we've already answered this question. Jennifer in Minneapolis wrote in and said, why didn't they just let the zombies explode all the landmines? When John Dory was shooting them, I was like, why are you wasting bullets? Let them do the job. Yeah. They're, um, they're like, they should hire zombies to uh, clear landmines now. Right? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you get a truckload full of zombies in a, in a, you know, a landmine zone. What do you call those? A mind field. A minefield. Mine, minefield. Mine yeah. That's like a whole statement. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You let them loose in a minefield and you're like, yeah, whatever. Here they go. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. Did they get them all? I don't know. Release another 20 zombies. Let's find out. Yeah. Or just step in the craters because there's not another mine in there. Uh, probably not. Well, that's what they did on this show. That's why oh, that's, I know. But you know, generally if a landmine blows up, there's probably not two landmines. Yeah, probably not. Um, some of the, th some of the things about this whole scene though, that I, I thought were a little bit silly. Once Morgan is close to the house, it felt a little dumb that they made Tess come out for the inhaler. Like he was right out the porch. He could have just chucked it up on the porch and everything would have been fine. Yeah. Uh, but you know, they had to get her out of the house, I guess. Uh, maybe inhalers are explosive in this universe. Sure. We don't, we don't know. This is the first inhaler we've encountered. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if it is, but maybe they're, they're under pressure. You toss it on, they might explode in this universe. Who I, knows? I guess you got to be careful. Um, I am getting really, really tired of Al being an expert at fricking everything, plane repair, rock climbing. And now she knows how to diffuse landmines, landmines. <laughs> Uh, not yeah. mimes, you know, even though she said she was only 50, 50 sure on what to do. That was funny though. I, I, I said that, uh, you know, with it's like, do I unscrew this one or do I unscrew that one? And he said, uh, how sure are you? And my first thought was 50, 50. And I said it out loud. Yeah. And then Althea said it out loud. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. There's two screws. Yeah. You know, one of them's the fuse. I don't know. Just put The it other one's the, uh, the explode the landmine right now screw. Right. right. Like. Because they have those, apparently. <laughs> yes, I guess they do. But I don't know. Like, Al already knows everything. Like, just put another character in there for some, just for a change, for crying out loud. Like. June? Well, I mean. She, she was a nurse. She wasn't there. Maybe she knows, she knows about landmines. I don't know. Maybe Strand, he was there. Put him in there, you know? I don't know. Maybe that's how he made, uh, made all his money. He was a rich guy, wasn't he? Or mm -hmm. he was dating a rich guy. He was, he was a dating a rich guy with a rich guy. You know, maybe that guy maybe had the, a landmine side business and Strand yeah. picked up some tips. Maybe that's where the, that's where he made all his money from selling landmines. And, uh, Strand learned about uh, which landmine screw was the, uh, exploded right now screw and could tell that from five feet away from the unscrew this other thing to turn it off. I'm, all I'm saying is why did it have to be Al? Like put her- in the background for some, for once and let someone else do something. Right. Well, we knew that she was a war correspondent, right? I know. I know she has that history, but I'm just sick of her knowing how to do everything. I don't know what it is. <laughs> so my solution to this whole, uh, oops, I stepped on a friggin' landmine, uh, is, uh, Morgan had a stick. He was holding on to his stick. 
his stick was in his hand. You put the stick down, you step off the landmine, you crouch down, and let go of the stick. Landmines blow up towards the sky. If you get down low, you got a chance of surviving. He had a stick. This seemed self-evident to me how to solve this. So, so use the stick to hold the mine trigger down and then step yeah. off of it and get as far away as you can and get down and then release it? Or go get off the other, go get a rock, you know? Get a five pound rock. There's I'm, probably rocks lying around. Go grab one of the zombies' heads. Does that They're work? They're lying around. Like, is the, the Indiana Jones thing where you replace the the artifact with a bag of sand and everything will be fine? Does that work with landmines? Well, I would think so because um, it's a pressure plate, right? You step on it, you depress the trigger. It's not usually a plate as big and wide as this where you have your foot on the uh, on the landmine. There's all kinds of landmines, so probably this is a thing. But if you step on a plate and the plate's twice as big as your foot, yeah. it gives you enough room to put something down uh, beside your foot so that you can step off. Okay. Get a five-pound rock and a 10-pound rock. That It would work in this situation. A lot of landmines just have this, like, button on top when mm-hmm. you step on the button. And usually, why would you program a landmine or build a landmine so that when you step down on it, it would only go off when you step off. Doesn't make Wouldn't any sense. You? And they kind of addressed that. So uh, she said that this is either uh, a dud mm-hmm. uh, and didn't work, or it's designed to blow up once you step off the landmine. But if I were building landmines, I would build them to blow up when you step on them. Mm-hmm. That way you don't get a chance to put down a rock uh, so that you could disarm it while you're standing on it. I think it's a TV trope. Right. I've never seen a real landmine in real life. So I don't know. I've seen pictures of them on TV, Uh but as we know, TV lies to me. And I accept that. Right. That's its job. (laughs) (laughs) It's what it's for. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, you need to give TV characters a second chance to get away. So they're always step down, then step up before they explode. Yeah, it's like when you have a hand grenade, right? You have the spoon on the hand grenade. You pull the pin, you throw it, and when you throw it, the spoon flies off, and then the landmine, or sorry, the uh, the grenade is armed, right? Mm-hmm. If you pull the pin out and you hold onto a grenade, it's not going to go off. So what do you do to disarm it? Put the fucking pin back in. <laughs> so that's what they did, is they, she had the pin, you know? It's just like, well, put the pin back in, everything will be fine. Yep. Putting the pin back in does not put the landmine on a timer. To blow up later. No. So this landmine was obviously defective in some way. Probably defective in a few ways. Probably. Right. So even if he didn't put the pin in, he probably would have stepped off. And if you step on a landmine and it's a dud and then you step off of it and it doesn't go off, you treat it like it's going to go off any second. Get as far away as you can as fast as possible. Forever. Yes. Like that, that's just like, that's it. That thing is going to go off at some point. I'm never going near there again. Just start throwing rocks at it until it, from a distance until it explodes. Even then, because you've already stepped on it. Yeah. Right. So that sucker is, uh, it's dangerous. Well, landmines in generally pretty dangerous. So they suck just in general, like across the board. Yeah. Landmines are stupid and terrible. Nobody should make them or use them ever again. Terrible idea. Um, Overall, uh, I, I sort of consider this whole thing the Tess story, and despite all these things we've talked about, I, I didn't mind it. The other thing they did pretty well, I thought, is use this as a pretty good example of the team trying to 
help someone, to go out of their way to help someone, right? We find a woman and her son. She's stuck in a house surrounded by mines. And what are we going to do? How are we going to help her? And it, it also did a reasonably good job of kind of relating to some of the characters, I thought, right? Morgan sort of saw himself in this story a little bit because he lost his wife and son and this was a wife and son in the house. You know, they, they said as much in his interview. Um, I think it related to John and June a little bit because, you know, they found each other and they became really good partners. And that's sort of what this test woman had lost when her husband went out looking for the, for the inhaler. Um, Dwight, who's not able to let go of the idea of Sherry, um, even though he wasn't there, I kind of feel like that kind of relates to his story a bit. So I thought that was reasonably well handled with this storyline and getting Tess out of that place. And it also made sense in a way that, you know, in the show, the characters use this particular set of events to create their promo video for other people. Yeah. It's, you know, it's lucky. It's like, uh, taking a photograph. There's, you know, a couple of ways to make a photograph really, 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 really good. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you take the photograph of, uh, something and it's composed perfectly and the subject matter is awesome. And, uh, you know, you make a really nice photograph. You compare that with taking a photograph of something dramatic, yep. an explosion, uh, some kind of dramatic event. It can be a really shitty photograph of a really exciting event and it's still a good photograph. Okay. You could make a, take a, a photograph of something that is not very exciting, but it has to be a really good photograph in order for it to be a really good photograph. So it's on that scale, mm-hmm. right? So they really got lucky in this uh, because they found something to film that was an exciting event instead of just a bunch of interviews while they drive around in a truck singing Convoy. <laughs> that would not only be boring for an episode of this show, but also would be boring for the documentary that they were making. Yep. Because if, you know, if I was trying to survive in the zombie apocalypse and I ran across a store and uh, walked in and there was a television that said, play me, and I pressed play and it was just a bunch of people talking, uh, you know, I would have just turned it off and went and stole the gas out of the generator and left on my awesome motorcycle before somebody shot it up with lots and lots of bullets for no reason whatsoever. (laughs) Well, yeah, exactly. Um, Let's talk about the end of this episode. We find out that Wes was watching this video and uh, I'm going to read an email here from Kim and Kim in St. John, New Brunswick. Kim says, so the whole episode was supposed to be what was on the tape that that guy who, by the way, I thought was Heath was watching. Not Heath though, was it? Uh, no, it was not Heath, Kim, but I know your feeling because for a split second, I thought maybe it was Heath as well before he Me too. Before- it's the hair. It was the hair. It's the, the hair. He shot him from the back of the head. I'm like, oh my God, is that Heath? Yeah. Like, Before no, he that's... turned around, it was obvious it wasn't. But I kind of am disappointed that it wasn't a little bit, to be honest with you, because that would have been a genuine Walking Dead universe surprise. You know, we kind of know that Heath is with the people that Maggie is with now. Yep. Um, but if Heath suddenly showed up here, that would have been the first really surprising crossover we've had because they pre-announced Morgan, they pre-announced uh, Dwight, but they didn't say anything about Heath. So yeah. if he'd I shown up... they missed an opportunity. 
I think they may have missed an opportunity. It would have been fun to do that, but it's not him, it's Wes. Yeah, I, I for a second, uh, or a half second, or however long it took for him to turn around, I thought it was Heath as well, and I'm like, oh, that'd be cool. Uh, but then it wasn't Heath, and I'm like, oh, well, that's a disappointment. Right. There, w- there was actually one point uh, earlier in the episode where for a half a second, I thought that this these people driving around helping people, and I thought that this idea would snowball into the people that Maggie is with. But then I remember Ooh. Morgan flipping the timeline around. He wouldn't make sense uh, with him leaving that show, the, the big show, and coming to this one in this timeline. We're too far along for this group of people to become that. Right. Because Morgan and Dwight are here. So it doesn't make any sense. But for a half a second, I'm like, hey, that would be really cool uh, if these people turned into uh, Georgia, Georgia, what's her name? Georgia and the twins, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that really cool van. If these people turned into that, that they just were driving around helping people and that snowballed into uh, another thing, but it absolutely cannot happen because we're not far enough into the past for that to happen. Right. <laughs> it's hard to keep the timeline straight across these two shows that are now intermingled. Right? Yeah, so. so we have the helicopter lady that uh, that uh, ran into Athea, Althea, yep. right? Who's with, you know, those people. We have Dwight and uh, Morgan coming from the big show, so it doesn't make any sense time timeline-wise. Right, right. So, which is too bad, because that would have been awesome. It would have been cool. Um, but the whole point of this final scene in, in the episode was to kind of just let us know what Logan is doing with his crew. They're still looking for the oil fields, which our main characters know where they are. And they've been refilling their trucks there and stuff like that. And Logan shows up, he threatens Wes, destroys his really cool motorcycle, as you said, and then basically wants him to lead them to Morgan and everybody, which by the way, Jason, people I think have started calling them the helpsters. So we might have to adopt that. So, uh, He, you know, Logan is looking for the helpsters and that's kind of where the episode ends. So Logan is still hanging around. They keep bringing him in and getting rid of him so easily. Yeah. They, they, they just kind of brushed him off in this episode. Sarah is saying, you know, we, we left Logan by the side of the road, basically went to the oil fields and figured he'd just wander off and never come back. But of course, he's not doing that. He's still with the same crew, which I was a little bit surprised about because they, you know, in a previous episode, were getting tired of him, it seemed like. They didn't, they, they were tired of looking for his his oil supply, his gas supply. Yeah. Um, but he's still with them. They have lots of ammunition, apparently. And Well, he found a bullet farm. I assume that bullets grow on trees. I guess so. They, they found they, a bullet they tree. Bullet, bullet orchard. Yeah, I guess so. Um, but he's still looking for them and he's trying to use Wes to find them now. I got to admit, I feel like this whole Logan thing is already becoming super tedious. Yeah. They bring him in and make him a big deal and then get rid of him as an afterthought over and over again. It's like either make him, you know, a formidable foe or forget about him. Yeah. And I'm at the point where... I'm just like, just forget about him. Move on. I, I don't see the point. It, it's it's tedious, and I just have zero interest 
at this point in watching him become a villain or become a formidable villain, as as you said. So I don't know, man. I don't know where they're going with that. Or or I should say I don't know why they're continuing to pro- proceed with this Logan stuff. I can sort of see where they're going, but yeah, I don't know. It it he it's shouldn't not interesting. be leading this group of people anymore. No, he shouldn't. He be. was well. He was lying before, right? About him, uh, about being on the last legs with this group of people. Like that was all a fabrication. I yeah, have to assume at this point, right? Okay. So he was always in charge, and even when he approached uh, our uh, helpsters to uh, to move them to where the gas was, that was all a complete lie. Mm-hmm. And I guess they just kind of figured that out and handled it, uh, you know, off screen. And the only thing we saw on screen was them thrown at the back of the truck with a box, yep. and he had to walk two hundred miles. Yeah, and <laughs> then ruin his boots exactly. Yeah, this is exactly what we did with that pigeon. I've told the story about the pigeon that showed up at our house one time. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. you want to get rid of the pigeon, you box him up, you take him down to the park, and you let him go. You say, you know, you're a pigeon, you're down here, some other pigeons, uh, go fly and be free. And then we drove home, and by the time we got there, that's where he was already back. Stupid pigeon. <laughs> yeah, you can't, and even the, the the story is true with dogs. Dogs get lost while you're on vacation, and then like six years later, they come back with, uh, they got bleeding paws because they had to walk like 1,200 miles, but they found their fucking way home somehow. You can't get rid of people by just, or animals or anything, by just dropping it off somewhere on the side of the road. They always find a way to come back, especially if there's a plot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. Well, I don't know what the plot was with Uti. That was his pigeon's name. Yeah. But uh, yeah, apparently he uh, had the plot device shield. He needed to be in our lives so I could tell this story. Maybe that was the whole point. Maybe. He's maybe. I don't know. dead by now unless he morphed into, you know, some kind of post-pigeon, uh, discorporate kind of non-corporeal, you know, <laughs> heightened being. I don't think that happens very often, but you never know. Well, it might happen with pigeons more often than you think. Yeah. Who knows? I don't you ever know. seen a dead pigeon? I haven't. Uh, I've seen a pigeon get hit by a train. That was kind of traumatic once, but anyways. Did, did it die? No, it didn't actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, what does that tell you? Good point. Um, and the fact that I had to ask. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> Usually things when they get hit by trains, they die, but apparently not pigeons. I'm not sorry pigeons. you had to witness, witness that. That sounds traumatic. It wasn't too bad. The pigeon took off just a little bit too late and then it made it, but it did bounce off the front of the train. Anyways, that's a whole different thing. Uh, my, my, um, neighbor and I are trying to capture and relocate a skunk. That's a fun project. I'll tell you, but I hope the skunk doesn't come back if we're ever successful in relocating it, but be careful. There's some, there's laws against that. Uh, I know, but he's a lawyer, so we're all good. (laughs) Okay. So he knows (laughs) he's conscious of the law breaking and how that works. Yeah. I think that's the thing. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. All right. Then as long as you have, uh, (laughs) he's a lawyer. As long as you got fingers to point. Sure. Anyways, um, I, I, I'm, I'm interested in what, just to get back to the show before we wrap up here, I'm interested in what's going on with Wes, not interested in what's going on with Logan. So do something with Logan's show or move on because you can't have him in like every eighth episode and think we're going to buy into it um, because we're not. So suck it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, look at that, man. Overall, this episode, despite how we started this podcast with a lot of people saying how, how terrible it was, I don't think it was terrible at all. And, um, 
it's it was it, you know i don't i don't know if i'd want to see this show use this kind of format all the time but uh they're not going to and uh i i'm happy that the second half of season five has for me at least started on a bit of a positive here and let's let's build on that because as we know this show has not been our favorite show very consistently lately yeah this worked but i think it worked as a one-off right right exactly so all right well uh thanks for tuning in everyone that is going to do it for our podcast this week before we wrap up here i do want to send a quick thank you a couple of thank yous out to uh new people that have decided to support the show uh, and you can do that by visiting us on uh, Patreon at patreon.com slash the talking dead or by supporting us with a one time financial contribution by going to talkingdeadpodcast.com slash PayPal. Uh, everything we collect, you know, goes into, you know, the costs associated with putting on the podcast. And I wanted to send a quick thank you out to Bernadette S and david a who have recently become new patrons on patreon thank you so much you guys and thank you so much for uh to you know everyone that supports the show and everyone who listens so once again that's talkingdeadpodcast.com slash paypal to just you know make a one-time donation through paypal or become a subscriber at patreon at patreon.com slash the talking dead and if financial support is not something you can do, that is totally fine as well. You can also check us out on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or any other platform that you find your podcasts on and leave us a review, preferably a nice positive one, five stars kind of thing is great. But anything you can you can say on there is, is a good way of sort of sharing your feelings about the show and helping other people find it. So those are all wonderful things as well. Okay, uh, that is going to do it for this podcast, everyone. Thank you to everyone who wrote and called in. Uh, next week on Fear the Walking Dead, the episode is called 210, 210 Words Per Minute. So we will be recording an episode about that next Thursday, and that, of course, uh, airs this Sunday. I might not be available <laughs> next Thursday. Oh, come on. All it's right. Jasper's birthday. Oh, it's his actual birthday. It's his actual, actual birthday. All right. Well, in that case, you we'll have sort something out. You have the night off. We will sort something out. I'm going to say the podcast will be either Wednesday or Friday. Can yeah. we can we say that? We can definitely say that. All right. Well, in that case, happy birthday, Jasper. I didn't remember that it was his birthday. He's turning four. Three. 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 Only three. I'm I'm ahead of schedule. Yeah. Um, but anyways, that is, that's fantastic. So, uh, next week there will be a podcast. What day it's on is yet to be determined, but it will be about 210 words per minute. Season five, episode nine, nine of fear the walking dead. 10, 10. Oh shoot. This was nine. This was nine, but I think I said eight off the top. Oh damn. Anyways. Well, (laughs) you know, at least we caught it. Yeah. (laughs) An hour and a half later, but Hey, what are you going to do? Uh, It'll be the next episode of Fear, whatever number that is. And uh, that'll be coming next week. So in the meantime, everyone, visit the website, TalkingDeadPodcast.com to send us a voicemail. Uh, You can also find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TheTalkingDead and send all of your email correspondence to TalkingDeadPodcast at 
gmail.com. Uh, if anyone happens to be in the Toronto area, I am going to be at an event on Sunday afternoon this weekend. That is Sunday, August the 18th. Is Sunday the 18th? Yeah, I think wow. it's the 18th. There is a live podcast recording at the Royal Theater in downtown Toronto with a series of prominent true crime podcasts, local ones, mostly focusing on Canadian crimes. I'm not on the panel, but I'm going to be at the event. So if that's something you want to go and check out, I don't think it's too late to get tickets. Um, I'm not too sure about that, but I was invited by uh, Jordan from the Nighttime Podcast, a Canadian true, true, true crime podcast. So I'll be there. If anyone happens to be there uh, and, you know, you enjoy the show or you see me hanging around, say hi. Um, otherwise, I think it just should be a fun event to come out to. So um, check it out if you hear about this in time. It would be a true crime not to go. <laughs> it really would. <laughs> uh, so that's happening this Sunday. Uh, I know that's not a lot of warning, but it's in Toronto at the Royal Theatre. Um, and sounds like it'll be fun. So check that out. Uh, and otherwise, we'll be back next week. So until then, everyone, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.